Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 18, Episode 7. This is Writing Excuses. Deep Dive on the Spare Man by Mary Robinette Cole. Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Don Juan. I'm Aaron. I'm Dan. And I'm Howard. And I loved this book. And <laughs> I get to drive, I get to drive this episode. Yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and start by putting this question out for everybody, which is uh was there was there a hook? Was there a scene? Was there a thing that that you just loved that really jumped out and grabbed you in this book 
The Spare Man by Mary Robinette Cole. Which I just want to warn readers, listeners, before we dive too deep into this, we are going to spoil. Um, I, I am, like, we're not going to talk around things, and it is a murder mystery. So if you have not read the book and you don't mind spoilers, carry on. If you do mind spoilers, you may want to pause pause right now. You know, we, we will have warned them about that two weeks ago in an episode that we'll record after our break, but that's bookkeeping that they don't need. So let me start with this. I love, I love a good murder mystery, and I love good world building, and science fiction is one of my favorite things ever. And it's kind of, it, it feels like a cop-out, but for me, my favorite thing was a genuine classical murder mystery set in a tightly world-built science fiction setting with every turn of the page, with every reveal of things that were going on, it just satisfied me in a way that is maybe deeply personal only for me, but it (laughs) hit all of those notes so well. Well, thank you. So one of the things that I talk about a lot recently is that I have this idea that genres are um, either structure-driven or aesthetically driven. And murder mystery is a structure-driven genre. Uh, Romance, things like that. There are certain beats you have to hit. Science fiction and fantasy doesn't have an inherent structure, but it is about the world building and the aesthetic and the way it it looks and feels. And so for me, layering those two things on, uh, you know, layering those next to each other, it's very easy. They, They play really nicely with each other. Um, the thing that was slightly harder was that I wanted it to both feel like a luxury cruise ship in the future, and I also wanted it to feel like the Thin Man movie. So I was trying to layer two aesthetics and a structure-driven genre on simultaneously. Well, I didn't notice that, Good. that it was difficult. You just make it look easy. Well, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I think one of the things I really loved about it was that sort of sense of classic cinema that permeates through it, right? It it reminded me a lot of what I love about like Connie Willis books that pull in that screwball comedy vibe, right? Like I think you nailed that tonally. One thing that really sold it for me in a way that I, I'm not quite sure how to even explain why this communicated that aspect to me so well is the way in which Crane is so famous, you know, her fame, the layer that that adds to the book, the layer of complexity, both in terms of like plot developments, in terms of them looking more suspicious because of all the things that they've done to sort of hide her presence on the ship. But then, you know, the the increasing complication, the sort of like ratcheting up of tension, but also humor as her fame starts to leak out in the back half of the book, it causes problems, but also opportunities for her to sort of evade capture and detection. What went into that decision to make her famous in the way that she's famous and how that like reinforces the mystery elements? In the the Thin Man movie, it's the original Thin Man movie, um, which I'm a huge fan of. Uh, the William Powell character, um, Nick Nick Charles, is is a famous detective, and um, 
and he he does get recognized when they go places, but it's always by um, by the the ne'er do wells that he has has uh, arrested over his, and they all are big admirers of him. So there was some of that, and then um, some of it was actually influenced by a a single moment at a world con in which I was having a conversation uh, with this other writer. Um, we were talking about, you know, fountain pens and what he's been working on. And uh, and then some friends saw that I was talking to him and were like, hey, could you could you introduce us? And I'm like, yeah, hi. Uh, these are my friends. This is Neil Gaiman. <laughs> and... And he stopped being this other writer I was talking to and suddenly became Neil Gaiman. And he didn't change at all. Like, nothing about him changed. But what happened was they, he signed one thing for them, and the rest of the room, which had been giving him space, suddenly saw him. And I, like, turned to to talk to my friends, and my back was to him for, like, 30 seconds. And when I turned around, there was a crowd, like, 20 people deep. And they had backed him against a wall. And I was like, oh, he doesn't get to go to science fiction conventions anymore without a handler. Mm-hmm. He no longer gets to have the experience that he has had as a writer. He, that's, that, that no longer is a thing for him. And so I, I have occasional moments of that where... Um, you know, I'm at a convention, I'm a guest of honor, and I have to be on, and it's it's still me, but it, it can be kind of exhausting. And I, I, so I wanted to explore that with with Tesla, like, you know, what happens when you cannot go anywhere without people knowing who you are? Yeah, I think I was so interested in that because I see that in small ways with the writers I work with. As their careers grow, it becomes harder and harder them, for them to be a person either on the internet or at cons. And, you know, they're not famous, like movie star famous, but within certain communities and certain spaces, you really start to lose that ability just to be a person like any other person. You start to become this persona, this almost product, this this thing that people want to interact with in that way. And watching that flip for Tesla was so just fascinating and familiar to a thing that I've seen over and over again in real life. Aaron, what you had I, a question. Yeah, what I love about that story is that it's it kind of shows something that I really, really love about this book, which is the reality meets invention of it. You know, so it takes place on a cruise ship that resembles a cruise ship that we've all been on. Um, and yet it has obvious futuristic science fictional elements. And uh, I'm wondering sort of how you decided like which parts of our world, what part of the reality that we know to hold on to and what to let go of. And is that a constraint? Or is it exciting? You know, where did you find that balance? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. One of the things that's odd about this book also is that my idea for it happened in like this weird cascading thing over the course of multiple cruises. So I don't really remember the genesis of this. But what I wanted to hold on to a lot of was the, um, just the the extra nature of cruise lines. Like, 
I I just was on uh, Wonder of the Seas, which is the the largest of the cruise ships, and we had gone on um, the Oasis of the Seas. And and I thought when I went on the Wonder, which is the same class of ship, I was like, I've I've surely imagined and exaggerated this in my head, and I'm very wrong. No, it is is as extra as I think it is. So I wanted to get that 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 sense of more um, that that comes from a luxury cruise liner, and also the the way they go out of their way to not make it seem huge, to create like neighborhoods and and things like this. So I wanted to to kind of capture that and then think about, okay, well, now we're in space. Um, I thought about having a zero-G section uh, because, you know, it's in space, really thought about it. It was difficult to give up when I made the decision to do it, but I wanted to, I decided that it was more important to me to hang on to physics than to cool possible uh, possible set pieces. Yeah, I uh, I want to step away from the the book itself for a minute and talk about a really brilliant thing you did in the packaging of the book, uh, which is that every chapter starts with a cocktail recipe, and mm-hmm. some of these are alcoholic, some of them are not. Um, and that ties perfectly into the, you know, the classic Thin Man vibe and it matches the characters, but it also turned into a really just fantastic marketing and interactive element. I've seen people posing with cocktails on Instagram, uh, making TikToks of themselves, making the cocktails from your book. I would love to know uh, how much of that was intentional uh, how, like, just as this wonderful promotional thing, have you seen uh, an effect from that in actual sales? I think it's it's really cool. Uh, it was not intentional um, when I started writing it. I knew that I wanted to begin the chapters, I wanted to title the chapters after cocktails. Because cocktails have like really great names like Corpse Reviver Number Two, Death in the Afternoon, The Obituary. Like these are existing cocktails in the world. And and so I thought, okay, well, let me start with the martini because people will recognize that as a cocktail. And Nick Charles is introduced at the beginning of the film with he's making a martini. So I'm going to start with a martini and then I'll do Manhattan and then, you know, I'll hit a couple of classic ones and then I'll hit hit some of these, these ones that have these crazy names. Um, and as I was doing that, my beta readers, a number of them didn't drink and they didn't know, they didn't have any frame of reference for what a martini or a Manhattan was. So... I decided to go ahead and add the the recipes for them. And then I became extremely glad that I had didn't done that when I got deeper into the book and ran out of uh ran out of existing cocktails uh and also ran out of good um the, like it it also gave me the opportunity to add non-alcoholic cocktails in there because I could have put in like the crow's nest but if you don't know that it's a non-alcoholic drink, you know, there's there's nothing in the title that tells you that. So um, that also gave me the ability to make things up, 
and uh, and and it was a lot of fun. Um, once I realized that I was doing cocktail, like actual recipes, then we started talking about, all right, and we'll have cocktail recipe cards. And, you know, I have... I have this whole fantasy about having a Kickstarter down the line where it's a, uh, you can get Lindgren themed barware and uh, and a cocktail book that has additional recipes. Um, so someday, someday. Cocktail tarot. I'm just putting it out there. Cocktail tarot. Oh, Aaron, you and I should talk later. <laughs> and on a personal note, I just want to say thank you for including the Remember the Main. It is one of my all-time favorite cocktails. Nobody knows it, and it is truly delicious. Um, it is I'm excited so good. To, it's so good, and it's hard to find a good one. Uh, and I'm excited to try the new recipes you included. Yeah, this is this is one of those things, Dan. I love I love the question because it's one of those things that you look at it with the book and the marketing, and you think, "Wow, that's just genius. That's brilliant." And then we talk about the process, and you realize the genius and the brilliance lies with Mary Robinette recognizing what a fantastic idea this could be if only she took the time to make up some new drinks. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as, as authors, the opportunity to, oh, in order to fill this hole, I'm going to have to make up some stuff. Oh, wait, <laughs> that's just what we do. What and do. speaking of what we do, we're going to talk about some of the nuts and bolts of doing this as soon as we return from our thing of the week. Hey, writers. Are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all, think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I want to talk to you about the Thin Man movie. Uh, movies. There are six of them. So there is a novel uh, by Dashiell Hammett called The Thin Man. Um, it's fine. It's a good. It's a good book. But the movies. William Powell and Myrna Loy play a married couple. He's a famous detective. She's an heiress. They have an adorable dog named Asta, and the chemistry between them is so much. Fun. The first two books, uh, first two films are tightly plotted mysteries. The second one has a very young uh, Jimmy Stewart, and and it, he's it's just delightful. But they are so yummy. There's and one of the things that I love most about them is that the characters trust each other. There's a scene in uh, in the first film when uh, when Nora walks in. And Nick has another woman in his arms. And in another writer's hands, in another, another episode of, of life, that would have been a big confrontation scene. And instead, she's like, oh, you're comforting someone, which is what he was doing. And they make silly, beloved faces at each other. And I, I just, I love this film so much. Um, if you want to watch a tightly plotted uh murder mystery with witty banter, so much drinking, and because uh, they were right after Prohibition, and a really cute dog. Highly, highly recommend The Thin Man. Uh, you do not need to watch it before reading my books. You don't need to read my books before watching the film. Just watch the film. It's so good. Mary Robinette, how did you do it? <laughs> and let me... Let me uh, let me make the question a little less open-ended. You set out to write a murder mystery, which, as you've explained before, was a blending of an extremely structural form, the murder mystery, and an aesthetic set of sensibilities, which are science fiction. Um, where did you start? So the science fiction part of it uh, was the part that I had to think about kind of the least. 
because I was setting it on a cruise ship, and it is a place where I live very happily. Um, I, I spend a lot of time in science fiction, so so that's the part that comes most naturally to me. Murder mystery is a while I have written other murder mysteries, uh, it is, you know, it's it is this structural thing, and and I wanted something. Uh, specifically, I wanted something that had a fairly substantial cast because it was on a cruise ship and also because I was playing with specifically the Thin Man movies, which have lots of people coming and going all the time. So I decided to try the thing that Agatha Christie does, um, which is that she, or did, she didn't plot her books. She would just give everybody motive and opportunity, and then decide at the end who done it. And when I had heard about this, I was like, that is, um, that's a great flex and uh, not actually a thing I'm going to be able to pull off. But when I started watching the Thin Man movies, like, critically, I realized that the fun of them is the interrogation and watching the personalities come out. And I tried plotting it, and it was not working spectacularly well. So what I did um, was that I knew, and here here is where we go full-on spoiler, I knew that I wanted to do a, uh, I started with the, the murder. I, I knew that I wanted to do identity theft. And I knew that I wanted to do something with an actor um, taking over a role. Like I knew those things. What I didn't know was how he got on the ship exactly. Um, I didn't know how many of his accomplices were willing accomplices. And I didn't know if any of the other people that I was setting up were going to be part of the scheme or if he was a lone actor. I was not 100% certain on that when I was going in. So um, so my, here we go. So Halden, who is my, who is, who is ultimately unmasked as the murderer, um, I was not certain if I was going to have him be um, in collaboration with uh, his assistant and then have had that be an accidental murder or if he was killing the assistant because they could give him away. Once I got a little bit deeper in and I understood the characters more, I was like, oh, okay, no, this is a guy who completely thought he could get away with it. And, you know, that this was a, an act of hubris that he, he thought that he could fool everybody with his his brilliant, brilliant acting. So I had to go back and do a lot of rejiggering of things to get people into the right place at the right time. Um, I had to do a certain amount of moving uh, moving scenes or giving people reasons to be off stage so that they had motive, or not motive, but had opportunity. Um, and then I had a whole giant, giant subplot that I had to toss completely because it pulled everything out of shape 
and wasn't related to the murder. It was it was planned as a, a big red herring, and I had to I had to toss it. And that was that um, uh, Jolna and Annie, um, that Jolna Jolna's brother had been on the uh, the lab that that deorbited. Okay. Now speaking of giant giant things, um, this episode's going to run a bit long. All of our deep dives. <laughs> All of our deep dives in the past have uh, have have run a bit long. Um, I love I love the discussion of Agatha Christie, and you know I heard the same thing. You know she would start by making sure everybody had motive and opportunity, and then she would finish by deciding which one of them did it. And I can't even. I can't even. I I need to know. I need to know what the reveal is going to be, and then I work backwards. Um, uh, Aaron and Dongwan, do you have any uh, any structural how-to questions here? Yeah, I think the thing that I'm really curious about is this is a very large cast of characters, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of people we're keeping track of, some of them more incidental than others, you know, whether it's crew, other members, you know, starting, you know, as we're developing our list of suspects, that list is pretty long at certain points. And, you know, again, you're you're tracking who has opportunity, who has motive, and all of these things. You know, I'm imagining hearing your process like one of those like serial killer red string boards in, in your office, trying to connect all those things. How do you manage that? How do you track all that? Right. Like what what was the logistics of keeping it straight in your head of who was where, when, and what opportunities that they had? So I do a casting exercise at the beginning of many of my books. Um, I don't necessarily do it at the front of at at all of of all of them. Um, like sometimes I'll do it when I'm like a you know a third of the way in. I'm like oh, I should stop and do this thing. This is why it's so useful. Um, but the casting exercise is that I will plug in what a character's role is. And their their name, you know, uh, like this, you know, the basic stuff. But then I look at their axes axes of power. Um, and if you go back, uh, there, there's an episode in which I talk about axes of power yeah. and and the casting exercise. So you can you can look at the spreadsheet that I use. But for this one, what I added, I added two columns. One was what secret each character had. And the other one was how they were related to the main character. One of the mistakes that I made when I was setting that up was that I had how they were related to Halden, my murderer, and I needed to have set up how they were related to that first murder victim. Hmm. Hmm. And uh, and so that was one of the again things I had to go back and rejigger some to 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 kind of clean that up. Yeah, um, because that's the that's the magic of the string board is mm-hmm. that you know your your detective in your you know string board esque murder mystery starts with a victim and begins connecting strings to them, and eventually some of those strings are connecting also to someone else who turns out to be our killer. Yeah. Um, although it's not usually pointed out as clearly as just 
with the strings. Oh, wait, yeah. push pin number 16. <laughs> yes. Arrest just, that. You know, I yeah. don't write novels, but the thing that I do enjoy doing creatively is running a lot of tabletop role-playing games, mm-hmm. right? And this technique that you're talking about is so exactly how I set up a campaign in terms of here are the major players, here's like their secret thing that they want, here's their connection to the player characters or to each other. And just like having a couple of those pieces, you know, I think the the longer I'm in this business, the more I start to feel like the most determinate thing of commercial success is your ability to quickly and clearly delineate who a character is in an exciting way. And this is such an interesting and effective way to go about doing that of not just saying, who is this person in terms of voice and personality, but what do they want? Yeah. And one thing that I've been wondering about is you've been talking about going back and changing things. And you've said a lot on, on writing excuses and elsewhere about re- like getting feedback from people. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious with a murder mystery, does the way that you get feedback change? Are you looking for whether or not they figured it out? Are you looking for other things? Like what are you looking for from your beta readers that helps you to figure out what changes you need to make? I feel like there was a point at which I asked people what they thought was going to happen next. But for the most part, I just track the um, the things that they're responding to. And the uh, I ask my readers to, to do four things, uh, awesome, boring, confused, and disbelief. And then a fifth thing, which is stream of consciousness. And so I, I keep an eye on the stream of consciousness that if they start being like, oh, this person is clearly da-da, that I'm like, okay, I need to either dial that up or down depending on on how I how I want, you know, what I want uh, to happen there. But, um, you know, it's not just a murder mystery that you want to avoid feeling predictable. So it it didn't, that part of it did not feel any different than when I'm I'm writing something else. Intriguing. Mm-hmm. Would you use Robert, this I get this. Oh, go ahead. Dong Wan? Oh, it's just curious. Like, would you use this process again in the future, sort of knowing how it unfolded, knowing what it felt like to write it that way? Or is this a one and done kind of, this was a fun experiment and a way to do things? So it's interesting that you ask that question, Dong Wan, because one of the reasons Uh-oh. that I wrote this book this way... um is I, I was having this conversation with this friend of mine who is an, an agent over drinks. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, and we were talking about my, my writing, and um, they mentioned that uh, my work was a little careful and were wondering what it would be like if I did something without outlining it. This person sounds... Very smart and cool, and I'm sure very good looking as well. Uh, yes, yes, that 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 was my response as well. So, um, so, so I actually started experimenting with with doing this um, on the Relentless Moon. Uh, it started like a little bit in Calculating Stars and Faded Sky, but Relentless Moon, I really was like, let me let me try to just dive in. Um, I felt good about doing that with. Uh, with the with the spare man um the the pieces of it that I like is that it it very much allowed me to kind of respond to you know 
the the unexpected ways my brain would connect things. Um, the thing I didn't like about it was it took me two or three times as long to write this book as it usually mm-hmm. does. And I, I, part of it was that every time I had to step away from the book, I forgot where I was headed with it. So when I was about two-thirds or three-quarters of the way through, I had to reverse engineer the outline and then the the last quarter of the book, last two thir- last third of the book is plotted. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I figured out, okay, this is who did it, this is how they did it, this is what they're gonna do next, here are the beats. Um, and then I plotted that. Uh and then and i I said this in the uh in in my the afterwards. Um I had it all on note cards, was like moving them around, what are the threads that are on you know, unattributed, what are the things I need to tie up, what what haven't I used, um, and had it all out on the floor, and my cats played tag across it, and it wound up in, like, a totally different order, which I was able to mostly reconstruct, but the yoga scene in particular, I know was in a different spot in the book, and I was like, oh, no, this is better, actually. <laughs> <laughs> So your cat changed the schedule of yoga. Yes, that is correct. Cat yoga. You know, editorial feedback comes from in all forms, from all corners, you know. Yeah. Outstanding. Um, All right. I have this sense that we could keep talking about the process and the structure and these elements for another three or four episodes. So um, that's part of this season's structure is taking deep dives and then using them as a framework or a spine from which we will drill down on different topics. Um, that's that's awesome. Um, I've got the homework, Mary Robinette, unless you want to throw something. You go okay. right ahead. Um, fair listener, I love a good murder mystery, and you might love a good murder mystery too. What do you love about it? Sit down with a piece of paper. And write down the beats, the elements, the aesthetics that you think need to be present for a murder mystery to be satisfying for you. There's your homework. This has been writing excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. For this episode, your hosts were Mary Robinette Kowal, Dong Wan Song, Aaron Roberts, Dan Wells, and Howard Taylor. This episode was engineered by Marshall Carr Jr. and mastered by Alex Jackson. For more information, visit writingexcuses.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.